When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Master Keys, Season 2, Episode 28. I'm on it. You are on it. I have no on it really well with the yeah. with the episode numbers yeah this is master keys podcast podcast talking about wealth creation nasa building the markets the news coming at it from a real estate perspective i'm chandler Halliburton. i'm neil andrino um and uh yeah we it, it is wednesday that recording this here now but we're we're part way into july the summer is upon us it's in full swing World is crazy. When you're listening to this on July 11th, we are two days away from the Bank of Canada next meeting to announce their next rate increase, which I'm betting Slopping 75 us points. In the face. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm, it's not even a bet. It's a guarantee. You guarantee your thing is okay. Yeah. Good. Because I've heard some people out there saying, oh, no, it's probably still going to be 50 points. I heard some other people saying, Let, let's just get to the point. Let's just jacker a full 150 or, or, or someone. But no, down. I think they're going to do 75. And then, then it's going to be enough damage that they're going to start tapering to like smaller 25, 50. I think yeah. this will be the, the big one. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. I hope this is the big one. <laughs> this is the big one. Man, I love our intro song. I know we talked about this. We haven't talked about it a while. But I just, for some reason, it's hitting a little different now as nice. the market slows down. <laughs> when I was broke, I had rich habits. This might be the time where we're changing our habits a little bit. And now when I'm broke, I have broke habits. It's time to <laughs> slow those Amazon purchases down a little bit. Um, Skip the Dishes is going to start sending me messages like, where are you at? <laughs> the, we the driver. seen you, the driver. Okay, um, before we get into it, yeah. thanks for tuning in. Thank you. We kind of rambled there for a minute, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Like Chandler said, we cover all sorts of things regarding real estate investing, the news, economics, some conspiracies. We have a conspiracy episode coming for you guys. Yeah. We're going to have a Patreon coming up very soon. We have a website. There's a lot of uh, interesting things that we're working on. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Expansion. Supporting us all the way through this. It's, it's starting to, to grow a base. So. Yeah, and thanks for saying hello. Ran into a great guy the other day uh, on the road that said hi and stopped me at an intersection. Talked about the podcast. Nice. That's yeah, neat. so, and appreciate the feedback you guys are, are in us up with. The Also, you guys may have noticed that our view counts and stuff are way up, our subscriptions are way up, and it is because you are liking and subscribing. So it costs nothing to do. Uh, just like and subscribe, man. We, we appreciate it. It helps so much. We got a lot to cover today. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's One, get into some news. We're filming these a little bit close. So the news between the last episode and this episode is going to be a little tight. I'm not going to lie to anybody here. So much has happened to me in the last 48 hours. Neil, the you Airbnb that I spoke about is going to be coming online very soon, which is kind of nice. So if you know anyone looking to stay in the greater Bedford area. Yeah. We for short term rental this summer. We have a lovely two bedroom with two beds and a pullout. And we also Sell have it to me. a two bedroom with bunk beds. So if you've got two kids, two young kids, mm-hmm. I know a guy. Sitting maybe three and a half feet. Not even three I and got and a half two feet. kids. There you go. He's got two kids. Looking for a little staycation. There you go. Right, right in Bedford. There's a nice little green space next door because they haven't developed a lot. <laughs> nice. One of the tenants has a basketball net. I'm sure they wouldn't mind Ooh. if you went out there and shot a few hoops. We hooping. Yeah. Kobe. So could be a nice little spot. Um, but yeah, no, that's going to be coming online. So I'm, I'm super excited to see how the bookings go. And yeah, that's really the biggest one for me. I'm still working on cleaning up some financing learning about my my debt service ratios and how they're becoming way more relevant and more important. So I've spent a lot of time working on that. But to be honest with you, I'm also spending a lot of time working on this pod because we really want to make this thing pop. Yeah. Pop, like you're pop. a big spreadsheet guy. And that's one of the things like those of you that have asked about the Patreon, it is coming. Uh, we just want to load that sucker up with a bunch of content. So day mm-hmm. one, you're in there and you're loving it. Videos. Um, 
videos, spreadsheets, spreadsheets, everything, all sorts of good stuff. You're a big spreadsheet guy, yeah, and I'm not as on it with the spreadsheet. Um, but right now, if the pencil gets sharper, the spreadsheets matter more. You can't fly by the seat quite as much as maybe you once did. We talked about that a lot in the last episode. That these Burr models, these OPMs, are they going to hold up to the scrutiny of rising interest rates, uh, loan to value ratios? All these things, man, they're going to crack down on it. So this is, um, yeah, debt service coverage is the one that I'm just like, it's so relevant now. It wasn't mm-hmm. the last couple of years, and it is so relevant now. And that's them yeah. using a basically a multiplier against the payment that you're going to be paying, and determining if that you can actually service that and your building can service that. So it, uh, the other thing too is, is, and, and we're maybe guilty of this a little bit because I talked to someone about this the other day. The beauty of switching to commercial is that they start to just look at the building, yeah. right? So, and, and that statement I made there is, is slightly false. And I'm going to explain why that's what I was getting at. Like when you're buying a residential home, they look at you as the income earner, what your personal debt service ratio is, and that's how they approve you on that purchase or not. When you get into true commercial lending on, on, on multi-units, they look at the strength of the building and the cash flow potential of the building. And that's great if, if you, you know, have a well-performing building and it doesn't matter so much what you're bringing in. However, if you're buying these buildings that are distressed uh, or we're going through a time where interest rates are up, expenses are up and all these things, they start to look at you effectively like securing the mortgage, right? Backing the you're mortgage. A you're, 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 you're a co-signer. You personally for your are co-signing your corporation that's then buying the building. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this deal that's set to close in a little bit. And I got, a, I got a text last night from my broker saying, so how do you think the seller would feel about an extension on closing? And then I got a text from my lawyer today. So we're probably extending this closing, eh? <laughs> Which we talked about. And, and the answer to both was, yeah, yeah, we're probably extending this closing. Yes, please. Um, but the lender, and this is a 6238 loan to value. So those of you thinking, running your numbers, being like, all right, I just need to figure out a way to get 25% financing and maybe the vendor will hold paper, blah, 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 blah. Try 6238. Plus yeah. broker fees, plus oh, yeah, closing, closing costs. Oh, so yeah. are like 3 4% on top of that. So 42% yeah. of the place. Yeah. And not only that, I'm like, all right, well, at least that's good. They won't ask me too many questions. Man, they are doing a deep audit on my personal well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, my sales corporation, checking out that income, my personal income that I'm claiming. Why do you wife, own so many dune buggies? Yeah, what is your... Why is there eight RAV4s? <laughs> they want to know. I'm RAV4 rich, uh, dune buggy rich, <laughs> cash poor. Um, you checking your wife? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and my wife is awesome. And early on when we were starting, she had the better income, mm-hmm. right? So she felt like a boss, like co-signing all these things. Her credit was better than mine. Her on-paper income was better than mine. She still holds this over my head. Um, <laughs> and she sent me this meme the other day that was like, <laughs> if you want to grow, um, make sure you've got a significant other that has good credit. And they took out, they took the word significant. Yeah. And broken down, significant is sign if I can't. No way. And it's oh like, yeah, make sure you got gosh. a significant other with good credit. <laughs> and she sent that to me as like a slight dig because especially early on, like she was helpful. But um, anyway, yeah, man, they're they're doing a deep dive on on everything. And I'm like, man, I'm already putting down 
Yeah, what's the, and what's you've the concern? And you seen the track record. What's like, the concern? Take the thing to market and you can get it all back plus more. Well, like the, the numbers on the building aren't great and rising interest. Like, I think their concern is they're looking around at everything and mm-hmm. they're saying, you know, we just want to make double sure. And so um, it, it's going a little bit more in depth. And we talked about how that's going to matter to people who are starting out, people trying to burr, people trying to do OPM, people trying to assign. It's going to be a little trickier right now. But I think you're going to have to lower like these ratios, like their expectation for income off a of building, because if rates are up for an extended period of time and there's just nowhere else for the rents to go. That's the last thing they're going to do. That's a lot, that, That's literally, let's lower... Oh, you mean the debt service ratios? Yeah, yeah. that's the last thing they're going to be willing to lower because that's the crucial thing. Can you service this debt? That's the last thing they're going to touch. Mm. They might get more flexible on amortization or something. I could see them changing that. Okay, yeah, true enough. That's what they'll do. They'll, yeah. they'll just extend the amortization. That's what they do everywhere, actually. It's 50 years, 99 years. You see long-ass amortizations. Yeah, what is the max amortization you can get on a commercial and residential right now? Is it 25 years? 30. You can still get 30s out there on residential? I, oh, yeah. I, I feel weird asking that. It's just been a while since I checked into yeah. it. Yeah, you can yeah. do 30s for sure. Uh, I think in commercial, you can do 50. Hmm? I know the CMHC stuff, they're doing 50. And that's yeah, CMHC will do 50. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one of the big appeal. Um, I, I had on my, I think, one of my houses a 30-year. When I was first in the game, they had just changed from zero down, 40-year amortization. That was, in, in 2000, that would have been 2007. Zero down? You could do zero down with a 40-year amortization. And I got licensed in 2008, and then I bought my first place in 2009, and I was gutted that they had changed to 5% down in a 35-year amortization. You didn't, we don't even, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first place I got was 20% down, hmm. five-year amortization. No. <laughs> <laughs> in my day. Yeah, in my day. Um, so that's a little bit of what's going on with me is I'm, I'm kind of working through that process. I'm also doing all that rigmarole of, man, you know, having to set up insurance, having to set up utilities and all that stuff that you kind of leave by the wayside and then you're coming up on closing. You're like, man, I've got to do all that. I also am about to vacate the last three units. So I've got 16 units between two buildings under various um, stages of, of renovation. And actually, it's kind of cool because people listening to this have listened to the whole process of me buying those and yep. renovating them. Um, and I'm down to three remaining tenants, all of which have signed uh, DR5s and I've worked with them on timelines and things like that. They're all due to vacate at the end of the month. Um, and one of them has gone radio silent hmm. and through third parties has basically said, don't contact me anymore. So I don't know that they're moving. I think they're not moving. I haven't seen them move. They've moved nothing. Know you, yeah, this is the weird stuff. We just got a registered piece of mail to our office today about through a lawyer, someone demanding um, $5,000 because we paid their safety deposit back nine days late. And so like they're in the, te- in the yeah, the, what, what the, I don't even know what to call it. The tenancy board has a thing that you can find, like landlords can be fined up to a maximum of $5,000 for not following some of the rules in the tenancy act. Uh, which would be like ripping the doors off and like knocking over a building with somebody living in it. That would mm-hmm. be the maximum penal fine. And so we need to have the smallest infraction, which is we missed the due date for the... What is the due date for return security 15 deposit? days. Oh. 
So 15 days. I didn't even know there was a due date. I just kind of say, oh, yeah, like I'll, I'm going to go by and have a look. You moved out. Okay, I'll go check it out. We and- got a payment processing system and he went through that and it's a little slow. It's about time. It was approved before the 15th day. Um, but it just, it, by the time the system takes the money, mails the check or whatever it does, it takes like another week. So it was nine days after that that it was physically delivered to him. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so he got a lawyer and lawyer sent a demand letter for $5,000. As like the penable, as the, as the fine, as the penalty for for doing this. So, anyways, we're going to Tansy Board to see what the result's going to be. I Holy can, man! I, I'm not too concerned. I do not expect it to be five thousand dollars. It won't be five thousand, but there might be like something. an interest penalty on it. There'll we offer him, we offer him two hundred fifty bucks, which I thought was fair. Like his safety deposit was like four hundred dollars. Yeah. So we're like, I mean, we'll give you six hundred fifty bucks, and we can just put yeah, they're gonna have bed. to prove damages. <clears throat> In the amount of five at some point, I know the tenancy board can is you different. How do damages like of five thousand bucks off of a three hundred dollar damage deposit over nine days? Hmm, interesting. Uh, keep us posted on that. I think that's that's very cool. Watch um, me eating my words next podcast. So I just kind of checked for five thousand dollars. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, try to make a news. Headline this is why me. you try to avoid the tenancy board. And I've gone through this process now with, I don't know, fifty odd tenants, maybe more, and it's all worked out. Like knock on wood. Yeah, same. I, I try to do right by people, and and it's not a great situation. I'm not going to pretend to, like, oh, I'm a, I'm not going to pretend it's it's a great scenario to, to displace people while going through this process. You just try to work with them, and this is someone who, I've been working with for six months, um, and we have a signed agreement that they're going to vacate, and now it's the rubber's hitting the road, and they're not vacating. It doesn't seem like to be like they're vacating, and I've been told by multiple people in the system, I guess, for lack of a better term, to get a sheriff. Yeah. I've never had to get a sheriff. Have you ever had to get a sheriff? Yeah, we've done sheriffs. Really? A fair number of times. I might need a sheriff contact info. It's quite, it's quite intense. And, of course, the day I would do it is July 1st, which is a holiday. Oh, good times. Yeah. Good times. So, Canada Day with the sheriff. You can see how far ahead we are recording this. Yeah. I shouldn't have spoke about that. But anyway, right, that's what's new Let's get into some more exciting news. I think our news is kind of boring. We're kind of dreary right now. we got nothing exciting going on. Yeah. Chandler's doing this stuff. I'm dealing with some random crap. Nobody wants to hear about that. Let's get into something. This cool. is the real, real. Do you have any news? What do you got over there? You have no news. Yeah, let's throw for people who are watching. Like, look, read that. Neil did his homework. I didn't. Yeah. What are you doing this time? Usually, you have all your homework done. Listen, it's date Wednesday. You know this. It's true. It's date Wednesday. All right. All right. Um, well, I'll give you a couple ones. So we're all doom and gloom. The market's completely dead. Houses are never going to sell for anything ever again. The market's like toast. Next seven years, you'll never see your money back. Don't buy a house. In Texas, I think it's Patian Properties sold 22 10-plus acre ranches mm. in under 30 minutes. Literally listed them on their website. 30 minutes later, all 22 of them were gone. Really? And these were individually privately owned separate ranches? Yeah. Well, they're developers. So they bought a big parcel of land, cut oh, them up into ranch-style no properties. Yeah. And they sold them all in 30 minutes. The first batch, which was 66 of them, they sold in like an hour. How many? 66 ranches. 10 that plus acres. Awesome. So they're selling like a thousand acres in like an hour and a half. Man, do you watch Yellowstone? Like all I can think of is Yellowstone. It's so awesome. I think that's Montana, but I don't know for sure. But I don't. Um, you want a ranch. I mean, Kevin Costner makes it look pretty cool to have a ranch. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder, that's probably just people with big money who just want ranches. I can't imagine that's actually people who are planning to run those as more than a hobby farm. Well, and um, I thought that. And I looked into it. They were between sixty-nine to one hundred nine thousand dollars. So I feel like it's it's normal people getting these ranches. Very cool. 
So. There's so much money flowing into Texas right now, too. It's insane. Um, and when you think of Texas, you think of things like ranches. So that would be the equivalent to us here marketing. Like, Can you imagine if someone brought online a bunch of waterfront properties and said, hey, like, here's a... P- Is that desirable, you think? I guess so, if they sold on 30 minutes, yeah. A Texas ranch? So like, if they brought on, like... 20 waterfront lots here at $99,000. When you think of how sought after Texas is and the level of like nostalgia it has in, you know, American psyche, right? Yeah. That, that's quintessential Americana. Yeah. I, I would think that a ranch in Texas has the same marketability as a waterfront lot in Canada's ocean playground, Nova Scotia. You know, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Okay. Well, now I'm going to get back to doom and gloom. That was <laughs> that my was one just, positive. Everyone short. Enjoy. Enjoy that moment. Let's take a look at Toronto for a quick second. Okay. What do we got? Toronto hit its lowest sales volume in 20 years in May of 2022. Man. Exempting. Damn. Exempting. Okay. May of 2020 because that's when COVID had just hit. But outside of that, they had the lowest sales volume in 20 years, down 40% year over year. What's crazy about that is when you think of how much that city has grown in the last 20 years, you'd think that that's almost statistically impossible. It'd be mm-hmm. one thing if you took the same number of properties and you'd have the a year that would be down. But the city itself has probably, I don't know, doubled I in the say, last 20 years. Yeah, probably doubled, yeah. So to have the lowest volume of sales in 20 years in a city that just doubled means you've kind of done 40% like, less. Yeah. yeah. Like 80% or 80, but yeah, like, yeah, like 60% less. That's ins- that's wild. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. The the prices number of- teetered a little bit. They're not like as crazy down, but mm-hmm. the price has teetered a little bit. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on about what we're what things going on in this market. Are realtors to blame? Who's to blame? What's going to happen? We dive into it a bit more. Yeah, but prices haven't teetered as hard. What were we going to say? Um, well, like at a certain point, if the number of sales is contracting and the number of sales is to some degree a reflection of supply. Supply is not increasing. There's a, there's this cons- idea out there that, well, there's going to be a bunch of distressed sellers who are then going to be unloading properties, and that's what will drive down prices. But I can tell you personally, as someone who just pulled a home off the market, the seller said, listen, current market be damned. I'm putting it on because this is the time I put it on. And if someone doesn't give me my money, I'm taking it off. I pulled two off about two weeks ago, and I just got a text this morning. I think we're going to pull off. Yeah. So the whole idea of... Uh, a market value adjustment down is reliant on sellers being willing to eat that loss. And some of them just frankly aren't going to do it. And I made a little recording about this of three reasons things may not go down as much as people think. No one watched it, but whatever. One of the reasons was... <laughs> well, don't really watch it. Didn't pop. Didn't pop. It was good. It just Help didn't pop. Chandler out. Go back yeah, go and watch, watch that one, please, everyone. Yeah. But the third reason, was, or one of the reasons was sellers aren't just going to voluntarily give their homes away. Yeah. Just because they say, oh, I guess the market's down. Here's my home for a discount. Some of them are just going to take them off the market. So the fact that those numbers of transactions are down speaks to the fact that buyers are less aggressive, for mm-hmm. sure. But it also has to speak to the fact that sellers aren't voluntarily giving their home away. Yeah. The inventory is not increasing. Now, maybe they haven't come to become distressed enough yet. Well, I was going to say, I think a lot of them are debating if they're going to sell. Like, man, where am I going to go? Because it's still hard to get a house, even though there are some sitting on market. It's still hard to get a house for a deal that they feel, right? Like a lot of them will sell in the effort to try and get a deal on the back end or to get into a rental. And those are waiting lists. So they're not super keen to do it. Um, speaking of getting people out, mm-hmm. an Australian landlord resorted to physical violence to remove his tenant. 
Crikey. And they got an actual fight. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I wanted to nail that crikey so bad. That was but good. I didn't really that was, nail it. No, we'll... Crikey. There you go. <laughs> there we we'll go. work on it. Back to what I was saying. An Australian landlord resorted to physical violence to get his tenant out and actually resulted in the tenant having a broken shoulder. The tenant was living in an illegal unit in his garage and was pissing him off. Ali- and the tenant was leaving in an illegal unit in the landlord's garage. Was, yeah. The landlord brought this on themselves to some degree. Yes. And so the landlord has now been fined. Not without breaking his tenant's shoulder. Yeah. So he left his mark. I don't know who won that one. Yeah, this is... Uh, yeah, luckily I've avoided this too. I had someone threaten to burn the building down and to burn my car. They're like, and I've seen what you drive too. I'm like, do you keep your hands off my RAV4? <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say insurance money. No. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple places that wouldn't be bad. But um, have you ever had any altercations like that? This one? No. Um, no, I honestly have not. Yeah, thankfully. We, knock we, on wood. No yeah, one knock wants on wood. Man. Nobody wants that. It's, it's, it's also a very stupid way to handle things. Um, we've had some pretty angry tenants in the past. And if that's the case, we usually don't get involved. We'll just allow the sheriff to handle it. Uh, we always try and be diplomatic as possible. We never do anything like super sketchy or ripping doors or windows off. Like we don't do any of that stuff. Um, and we usually offer like more than they're going to get through tenancy board. So no one's ever yeah. been like crazy against us. And we're usually pretty chill about timelines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've never had. But that's a tricky scenario because the landlord rented a unit that's not legal. So on the one hand... The lease, you could argue, is void in a certain sense. So we should be able to get that tenant out easily. But the tenant also has this card of like, you're renting a unit that's not legal. Well, this, this is why he lost the tenancy board is not because he lost the tenancy board. He won the fight, but he lost the tenancy <laughs> board. And it's because the unit was illegal. If yeah. it was a legal unit, he would have got away with this. He could have And beat, honestly, he's probably like, I don't care. Find me. Just get the person out of here. He could have beat his ass and yeah. been fine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he would have had like a police charge at that point then. But, oh, yeah, uh, that's the next thing that's coming for sure. Yeah. What uh, else you got for news? I've got something. Um, I've, I've got a couple things on here. It, it's sparse, but it's good stuff. Um, a new CMHC report, because we talked a, a little bit about this oh, yes. and, and what's going on nationally. Oh, you want to dive in that? We'll dive no, in no, that. No, no, you go to that. I'll, I'll talk so, about that next. Um, I want to talk about this new CMHC report because the big question that's going on right now is, is housing supply. And as much as people want to talk about the market slowing down, maybe that opens up some affordability, et cetera, et cetera, and people are really cheering that on, there are a few reasons why houses are not going to go down in price. And please return to that little TikTok video that no one watched. Because you remember one of my other ones? I'm putting you on the spot here. My other reason... I was one of those people that didn't watch. (laughs) God, I put my heart and soul into those. I bled for those. Um... One of the reasons is like we can produce about 200, maybe 250,000 new homes a year and we're bringing in 400,000 people. We've talked Mm -hmm. about this a a few times and and we're Mm -hmm. very much pro immigration here. Um, The the challenge there is obviously that is inflationary pressure on the cost of housing, both rental and ownership. If you're only building 250 a year and you're bringing in 400,000 people, simple math, man, supply, demand. Yep. So CMHC estimated that by the year 2030, so seven years from now, yep. uh, we'll build 2.3 million new housing, right? 2.3 million new housing units. That's a and lot. It sounds like a lot. In order to meet affordability, we would need, and affordability by CMHC standards is 40% of household income, just for people who are checking in, we would need to build 5.7 million. 
So, so we're that not even going to build half. We are going to be short by $3.5 million if we wanted to hit affordability by CMHC standards. 3.5 million houses, not dollars. In addition to the 2.3 we're already slated for, right? So in the next seven years, the idea is that we're going to build $2.3 million home. Like that is our current capacity to build homes. And in order to hit any sort of affordability metrics, we're actually going to need an additional 3.5. Man, the struggle is though, there's just no money to, to there's buy no the money, new ones. There's no labor, there's no land, and there's no fast approval process. It is a... It's hooped. It's hooped. And now with interest rates, your developers aren't going to be able to do it, right? So all these things, that 2.3 projection is probably without the situation that's going on now. So it's actually going to be lower than that. So we will be well under half of what we'd need to hit affordability. They're going to freeze immigration. Calling it now. They're going to freeze immigration. You think so, eh? Yeah. And that is a staunchly conservative uh, economic um, outlook. It has been historically. Not that that's broad strokes there. And it is. Bad um, for the country. It's it's bad for the country. We but do no business, so we get hooped when we cut out immigration. These are these knobs that you're trying to tinker with. Like, all right, do we slow immigration? <laughs> I should not have done that. Do not crop that <laughs> out and make a video of if that. If anyone's listening right now, go to the video immediately. We might need to edit that out. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Chandler had one cocktail at lunch, and yeah, it's just cut. It's half-cut Wednesdays. <laughs> um, As we all drink beers in the studio. So you're trying to turn these knobs, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of which is, is immigration. Um, but immigration is the same labor supply that we desperately, desperately need. We're trying to build these houses <laughs> to provide for people, um, but we don't have the labor to, to, to do it. Here in Nova Scotia, um, we're doing about 2,000 completions a year, give or take. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're hearing about there? Yeah. Like we, we put on about 2,000 new uh, units a year. In order to meet affordability in Nova Scotia, we would need to do this according to the CMHC report about nine thousand a year for eight years, which is not going to happen. It's and if not they continue at the happen. current pace, the immigration numbers are going to increase, so they're actually going to need larger numbers than that. They're just going to cut the immigration. This is where yeah. it's at. Like all, all this is the same conversation we had eight months ago, where like the interest rates are going to go up, interest rates are going to go up, and eight months from today, we're going to be sitting like, oh, they cut all the immigration targets, and now everyone's freaking about the real estate projects, and they're parking everything. They've uh, done this in the past. I want to catalog this. Down. Like, I want to catalog this prediction because that's yeah. incredibly interesting to me, as someone who's very pro-immigration and and knows. I'm for it. I'm I all know. for it. I don't think they should Wait, curb it. I think yeah. they're being stupid. I think they need to do something that can actually incentivize housing. There's so many different options, whether it be increasing a- approval processes or making it easier to build and removing a lot of those costs associated with building or creating, like helping people come over with trades. Like there's so many different things ah, they can do. That's what I want to talk or about. Or giving really incentivized finance, uh, financing options for so, not just the big, 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 big boys. Like they're not going to fill the need. You need more people in the industry to help fill this need. But you made a really interesting point there because we have prioritized uh, immigrants who have certain jobs, certain levels of income, certain levels of education. Well, look around, man. Like we need skilled tradespeople. Yeah, we're we're bringing in. Why are we being so snobbish? Why like what? Why do we think we that someone who has master's degrees in engineering, which is amazing, but realistically, we have no engineering jobs, and we have we, a lot of framing jobs. We have a shitload of framing and drywall jobs. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to revisit that and realize what kind of. Um, I don't even want to say stigma, but we're putting a bias on certain industries listen we need to be in bringing in doctors and we need to be fast tracking doctors to meet the need of family doctors however we also have a lot of other needs and they need somewhere to live yeah they got to build these houses um so that's some important news again 
CMHC is saying that we're on track to build about 2.3 million homes by 2030. We actually need about 5.7 to meet their basic affordability measure, which is 40% of household income. Man, why does the government just tender a bunch of giant ass projects? If the government went out there and just tendered like big projects to build like these massive 400 unit buildings uh, on their sprawling pieces of land and they were to sell them off, they build them and sell them, build them and sell them, build them and sell them. I bet you they'd make money. Yeah. And if they just did it in selective places, they don't do them all it's also side, why, by like, side by yeah. side by side. But you go to the end yeah. of like Aaron Cove Road, you put one giant one there. Dude, put we one d- giant one in Dartmouth, one giant one in Eastern Passage. Like you just start yeah. popping them up. We talked about this when we talked about the fact that Nova Scotia issued $13 million to give uh, a bunch of low income families, 150 bucks. Uh, New Brunswick and PEI did 20 million that amounted to about like 225 to 400 bucks each. They could have taken that 20 million dollars and just built or or leverage that as equity and do a hundred million dollars worth of new construction. The problem is 2, it takes two and a half units. years. It takes two and a half years, right? But these are the things we should be looking at. The only solution, I feel like we haven't said this in a while. The only solution to affordability is public housing. The government has to build it. That is literally the only, only, only solution. And they don't do it. They refuse to do it. That um, was the first five pods. Yeah, that was a lot of pods. I talked about that. And and it's what I'm talking about for a while. So that's the only way. Public housing is literally the only way. On that same note, another option that was thrown out there that apparently council was super in love with was basic income. Um, They threw it up online today that they voted 15 to 2 for basic income. Chandler's smiling because he doesn't want to say anything too too bad. But I'm not against basic income. Like the main concept of it, it sounds great. But it's a short-term fix to give people ability to pay their bills today. But you're just doing the same thing of injecting cash, which will force the same problem with inflation. Asset values will go through the roof. It'll devalue the currency. Like it's it's going to cause the exact same issue that we're facing from COVID. So this is what COVID was actually a prime example. We did basic oh, income. Buddy, COVID eating, is basic income. Look, oh, we had two years of it. Did I beat you? Like COVID is basic is income, and look exactly, what happened. We're having this. Exactly. Literally, exact thing. what I was about to say. So Halifax Regional Council votes fifteen to two to call on the government of Canada to implement a guaranteed livable basic income. Um, I don't know what it means to call on the government of Canada. I can't even imagine that reached the prime minister's office. Um, I really like a lot of our current council and I think the idea of everyone being able to have a basic level of living is obviously what we're all striving for as a society and what we've totally you know tried to accomplish for decades if 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 not longer Um, I think it's such a noble pursuit but I think to do that in council which is the definition of a vapid symbolic gesture I don't, I'm not going to go as far as say it's virtue signaling, but it's pretty darn close. That is the biggest waste of whatever 15 minutes it probably took to vote for that thing. That's like saying I vote for, you know, like, oh, let's call on the government to end world hunger and war and call on the world to, you know, 15 to 2 in favor of unicorns who piss gold coins. Like, this is all magical stuff. I would like a unicorn. I'm in. You know, I'm in. It's, and, and I'm not trying to sound insensitive to a very real issue but i don't know what they thought they were i don't know no no but i won i it's not realistic so i don't know what they're trying to accomplish by by doing it um two it seems like a a waste of time that is good for pr but does nothing other than get people worked up Um, was basic income but serb was a form of complementing lost income meant to subsidize you know, your overall wage period before you got laid off and then hopefully after you get back to work. It meant to fill that gap to provide basic level income. And we are now dealing with 
the worst inflationary crisis in half a century uh, spiraling out of control and all the ramifications. So it seems oddly out of touch with reality to put that comment out there. And that seems really insensitive to say, and, and people are going to say, well, you're out of touch with people who don't have basic level of income. And I can understand that argument. Not disagreeing with the fact that they need the help, but this is not the way to do it. Cutting we checks. Just did it's like, are you kidding me? Do you have any understanding? Everybody's of like the in more shape. Basic fundamentals of economics, just mm-hmm. giving out money right now. The one counterpoint I will say to this is what just happened. There was a lot of money released to people who were already maybe doing okay. And there was a lot of cheap money issued through low interest and all these things. People who frankly didn't need the money as much as maybe some other people did. So I understand the idea of if it could be done really well, really targeted, et cetera. But we're just not in a position to print a bunch of money right now. We need to find a way to maybe redirect some funds. Like here's a noble idea. Take all that money you're making on gas and find a way to, you know, help some of these people. If we need money here, we need to export things to bring money in. Yeah. It's a business. A country is a business. And we're not selling any product. Yeah. And just giving stuff out at a time where it's like, oh, all of these, all this money is not worth anything anyway. Let's just give more of it out and think that that's going to somehow help the situation we're in. It's it's short-sighted, even though I understand the sentiment. And it's hard to say this. It's hard to have this it's conversation. It's a PR move. It's a yeah, PR Depending move. on how they clip this video, we're going to get this roasted online, man. But I'm all I'm game for that. This this one this one's so cut and dry. Like the, the real estate stuff, I get it, and like that that that's one thing. But like this is like you said, this is basic 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 math, and it's like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, Especially but. and maybe there's more nuance to it. I'd love to see the plan. There there was no actual talk of a plan as to how to do this. But to look at what's going on in the world right now and be like, you know what we should do? We should just give a bunch more made up imaginary money. And put that into the company. It's something crazy, like a quarter of all the Canadian dollars, right? All of the Canadian dollars floating out there in the world right now, in our Loonies, country right Toonies, now. Dimes, the all horse. of it, about 25% of it goes was to bridge print- tolls. No, no. <laughs> about 25% of it was printed in like the last five or six years. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. For, it's the same for the States. I've heard that for a lot of places. Think of how messed up that is. Yeah, it's messed. It's and really then messed. you've got councils saying, like, oh, we want something that looks really good on social media. We're going to put something there that is effectively just print a bunch more because that will la- label it as a different thing. Man, it is. It's frighteningly out of touch with the fundamental economic theory, um, though I understand the sentiment and I'm not trying to sound insensitive. That's too late. You already do. Yeah, I do. Depending on how you crop that, I sound like a jerk, but whatever. So on the flip side, another way to get money in this country, which we like to do and nobody likes to talk about, is allow people from other countries to launder their money in. <laughs> I like the sound. And I mean, it's not the worst thing ever because they're buying Canadian dollars. So that's why we always overlook it. Uh, I think it was like $2 billion in Toronto recently. And another one just came out that from China, this was like a money laundering scheme that they busted. I think they have like a limit. Like it's like the government knows that the laundering is taking place. They don't say too much about it until it's like really bad. And like, shit, if this hits the news before we take it to the news as a bust, we're going to look really, really bad. And we don't want the general public to get on the point of like, we need to shut this down because they don't understand that we need to sell the currency to other countries. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So this one was interesting. It's a guy from China. I didn't totally, like, I tried to read through it and kind of follow it through, but effectively he received bribes from military officials. He also paid some bribes, and there were some land sales involved. 
And it was kind of I bribes to be able to get access to certain pieces of land and also be able to sell them, I think, to the government. I mean, it sounds super cool, but yeah, it sounds like a wicked. I'd love to watch that movie. Yeah, anyway. exactly. And so then he comes to Canada and him and his wife claim, I think his wife says unemployed and he claims a $41,000 income. Okay, fine. So Struggling. approved, moves to Vancouver, which it would yeah. be, is going to be hard on $41,000 a year. Yeah. Um, two and a half years later, uh, his Canadian bank account checking is sitting at a balance of $114 million Canadian. So he had, either he invested that 41 k so yeah. well, so well. I don't know yeah, what he, he bought. he did better in the crypto space than we did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit better in the crypto space. Quite a bit. And he bought a house for his daughter and on the, the FinTrack, a FinTrack is a financial reporting form that we submit to the government and we're supposed to evaluate uh, the risk of the money that the person is spending on their property purchase and mm-hmm. kind of gauge where it's from. So on his first one, he bought a house for his daughter for $12.5 million dollars and uh, she's 25, and on there it said student as occupation. And then he bought the house two doors down for $16.5 million for himself. And, uh, yeah, so now he's retired. here. He felt retired on There's, him. like, a warrant out for his arrest in China because it's been figured out there. And so now they're looking at him here, obviously, as he hangs out in his house with a shitload of cash. But the thing that kind of blew my mind, and this one, like, they know about it, and they kind of just let it happen. And it's even, it, like, the banks are in on it in some sense is, again, because we need to sell the currency, so we will accept dollars from overseas because that means they're buying Canadian dollars, is the first transfer was like $40 million. And so this guy's making 41K. He rolls into RBC, and he's like, hey, my wire is coming in right now. Yeah, this wire about to hit. No problem. And they're like, how much? And he's like, "Uh, $42 million. And then the banker's just like, oh, yeah, no, totally, totally. Uh, That makes... Sense. And they said well, when the bank you know asked, he said so much money on that transfer. Oh, they would have oh. made a shitload on the transfer. They again, yeah. they're already like they're they're instructed from overhead peers that like yeah. you have to take these transfers in. So I've dealt like, with people trying to get money over auto countries, and man, they get smoked. My thing was I I like I'm not super familiar with it because I haven't moved the money around, but a lot of my clients are like, man, there is limits in place on how much money you can transfer per week 100%. and per day and all these kinds of things. Um how do you just bring in 42 million? He would have moved it to a different country and then to here. I'm sure of it. He he said, and then they said when they asked him, uh, he said land sale, which was actually partially true because it was a land sale. Yeah. But um, how we got the nice. land is the not so true part. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like anyway, so yeah. this is this is what's going on. And this is just like a one single story that they've busted. This is going on everywhere. And this is our business. And this is why immigration is important. And this is kind of why it keeps us alive, because mm-hmm. the product we sell is Canadian dollars, and a lot of it gets funneled into real estate. And this is what we kind also of aren't like, especially here. hard on white collar crimes in Canada. Exactly, like we just aren't. No. So we we're not going to export any product, but we'll export our dollar, and that's what we're trying to hope and keep. Hmm. In, and so it's a tough part when they park immigration. The repercussion that we're going to face is going to be deadly. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, thanks guys for listening to this point. Make sure to like and subscribe. Coming up, we talk about the role of the realtor in this market. When's the market going to recover? Is it going to recover? So keep following. We get some really good insights, and I get really philosophical on you. It's going to recover quick. So we want to get into our topic of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, this market's turning. Everyone knows it. It's turning across Canada. It's turning across, really, North America and a lot of places. States still seem to have a lot of hot markets on the East Coast, but it's turning. As, as rates go up, it's turning. And we're trying to say... Is this like the realtors at fault that are, are kind of pushing it down? Is this just sentiment? Is it the media? Or, or is it actually yeah. turning down? Oh, and also, um, 
it's it's logical to point some of the blame. I mean, people were pointing the blame at realtors for when the market was going up. Yeah. And now the market's going down and there's going to be some people pointing the finger at the realtors for that. But yeah. there's also going to be some people that be like, well, gosh, I bought for such and such a price and I blame my realtor for that. Yeah. And then there's a question of like, well, how could any realtor right now be advocating on either side to sell or buy a property? Yeah. Like, how could you be telling someone to sell right now where the market's down? How could you be telling someone to buy when there's the potential that the market's going to go down further? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the role of the realtor in this changing world? What you do you tell think, me? Neil? Oh, okay. It's on me first. So, I mean, you have to educate your person. Like, you, this is what we've talked about a million times. The realtor needs to educate the person specifically on the property and kind of what's going on with pricing. At the end of the day, we don't have a magic ball. No one can, even the banks and the biggest, like, economic leaders cannot necessarily determine exactly where things are going. And so as a realtor, we need to, again, educate them, ensure we go over those other, the five items we talked about before on protecting yourself on a deal and go over the pricing and explain to them what's happening. Like, look, like there is a chance, there's a strong chance that over the next 12 months, prices may fluctuate down uh, or stay flatlining. And you need to prepare yourself for that if you are going to buy now that things might go down. On the flip side, though, and what we've talked about before is inventory levels are so low. There's also an opportunity that in 12 months, you they might have continued to go back up. Like this might be a temporary blip come the fall market. Things could start going again. And so it's really hard to give anyone that guaranteed indication. Again, you're going to give them the best educated guess, but I don't think a realtor can be to blame. At the end of the day, we don't come up with the prices. We, we give you all the information that we can possibly yep. get on your behalf, and we allow you to make the decision on that. And again, I would say for most high-producing realtors, which do 80% of the transactions out there, they're infrequently pushing their client that hard to make a bid. Like, I feel like I never push my clients. Oh, almost, I'm always yeah, like, 100%. there's 10 offers. They suggested that it was at 725. If you want to go like at 800, like I'll guarantee you a property. If you go at 700, maybe 750 probably. And you then you can make your decision. When you come back and say 765, I'll give you like some just. It's, always, it's a tough one as a realtor though, because if I'm like, and go 745 and then they don't get it and it goes for 750 they're gonna be like my realtor just screwed me out of my dream house well this is the this is the changing role of the real estate agent uh check out mkr group literally the best real estate team ever assembled uh neil and i uh marcus angela we're setting it up it's gonna be amazing it it is the best real estate team It, it is um if you need anything just hit us up I know a lot of realtors listen to this. They're not going to like that plug, but you're all great too. Um, If you want to join, hit us up. So the reality is, man, there's all the information is out there for buyers and sellers. It used to be the case that our industry was built on... We held the bag. We held the insider information and it was a monopoly. It was... um, We kind of hoarded the data and wouldn't let the public have it. And as a result, the public had to use us because we had the data. And increasingly, the data is out there, and so the role of the agent has changed. We're no longer just the put a sign up, be a cheerleader, be like, yeah, great time to sell, great time to buy, blah, blah, Like, let's do it, let's do it. That's not the role of an agent anymore, and I don't think it has been for, for a number of years. Increasingly, you'll see that it's about consultation. It's about interpreting the data that the buyer or seller already has access to and how to best navigate within what the data is presenting. Now, if you want to have revisionist history, um, let's go back two and a half years ago to spring 2020, January 2020. No one knew about the pandemic, right? Neil still had more hair. Um, (laughs) 
you know, no one could have predicted what was to follow, right? So mm-hmm. um, the realtor is going to give the best information they have in that moment. April, they are not, May, the market dumped. They are not infallible. And then, yeah, a lot of some of the smartest people in the world thought that, oh my gosh, I better cut ties with my property in March, April, May of 2020 because yeah. my gosh, the market's probably going to go down. And that was the conventional, Was I remember CMHC and I was ripping on them because they came into our, our office and they're like, oh yeah, prices are going to go down 2 to 3% and they went up 7 yeah. to 10 or something like that. Do you, yes, do you remember that? I remember that. And then they came back the next year I'm like, and was like, you got any questions? I'm like, yeah, can you ask them how they were off by 15%? Um, so, but the smart money was on that the market was going to dip and look what happened. Yeah. So right now we are in this another micro moment, you know, a very short snippet, trying to give the best information we can. And that is projecting, okay, there's a slight downturn looming potentially. But do we know with crystal ball that that's going to be long term, short term? No, we don't. So we're going to give you the information and it's it's the client's decision as a grown ass adult, which I use that term all the time, do. I like to decide it. what they're going to do. Mm. And on the selling side, if you've got something going on in your life uh, or you want to make a move, like what is the main priority for you and your family? Maybe you can do better with the equity tied up in that property if you you know, pivot it to something else. Yeah, you're not going to make the money someone made in February, but man, you're still going to make more money than the person who made in September, who made it in 2021, who made it in 2020, who made it in 2019. You are still way up. So, you know, maybe that still makes the most sense for you. On the buying side, again, here's the data. There could be this pullback. There could not be, but you're buying at this interest rate six months from now. It's projected to be this. Here are the pros and cons of this situation, and maybe you're actually buying a property for less money than someone else. Like This is the data. You also you put on your, your big kid pants. Yeah. What's that? Like, you know, and, and decide, is this what you want to do for you and your family right now? Do you want to continue to rent? Do you want to continue to live in a basement, or do you want to do this? It's up to you. Exactly. Right? The two things. So if you're under 20 years of age, you get to, you're exempt from all of Chandler's advice. Uh, it is his decision to figure out what the price is for you because you are not a grown-ass adult. Uh, secondly, uh, there's a bunch of intrinsic values and like unknowns that we don't know. Like We don't know what the dynamic is. Like If you need to get out of this apartment or you need to get out of this house for a ton of reasons, whether you need more space for a family member, the renting, you're getting evicted. There's so many different things, uh, and that impacts your decision that we can't speak on. Like yeah. I get that question all the time. Like, well, I'm having this situation. What would you do? And I try and give my best advice, but I, I can't like, imp- like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not really my place to speak on your, your life on where that needs to be going. Yeah. I, I understand the real estate and I can teach you and tell you everything I know, but those are, those are items. So, so yeah, you have to think of it as like, you're, you're enlisting a consultant who's going to give you the information. And I think that is going to be a big shift for a bunch of realtors who for the last, I don't know, half century have just been cheerleaders. Yeah. And like, yeah, let's do it. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Yeah. You know, you're thinking of selling, it's a great time to sell. If you're thinking of buying, it's a great time to buy. Well, that's kind of weird because it can't be both, right? Yeah. But now it's, we give you the information, we guide you through the actual property. So I think that is the change. I don't think realtors bear any responsibility for this whatsoever. And that's not going to be a a popular comment. Ryan Serhant said a really cool fact. I I don't have it up for sure. um, But he said whether it was a down market, an up market, whatever market is it, everyone in in New York asks. uh, And just Ryan Serhant, if you don't know who he is, probably one of the top brokers. Yeah, he is the GOAT. Like top broker, I would say, in the world are up there. And definitely top broker on social media, YouTube. He's awesome. Check him out. Don't check him out too closely and leave us, but he's he's really good. Uh, Ryan Serhant, love you. But he says, people are always asking him, is it a buyer's market, seller's market? Is this a great time? What's going on in the market? Like, what's going on in New York? Because he's right downtown Manhattan. 
And he said, you know what? Every year that I've been in, it's been the same amount of volume and the same number of transactions plus minus a few percent. Hmm. And he said, whether it's predominantly buyers, probably sellers, it's always kind of going and it's always going to keep going. And he said, it really comes down to making sure that you do a really good job marketing it if you're selling it and a really good job educating your buyers if they're going to buy it. Yeah. And that's the same really yeah, for everywhere. Spot on. We yeah. have larger swings because their prices are through this roof, through the roof and they have different t- style of buyers. But still like, the concept, it's not really up to the realtors at the end of the day because they're not making the purchases. They can, they will, they're there to help you. But yeah. anyways, I think we've defended ourselves enough. No, no, and it's not so much about defending, but it's also just being realistic about not knowing exactly what's going to happen. We know that these interest rates are going to go up. Yeah. Right? We don't know, and, and that is going to um, cause a slowdown in, in pricing. variable at 8.5%. Um, not going to happen. I know that factually. <laughs> but, uh, Here's the other thing that's very, very, very interesting is how quickly the world economy moves now, right? Well, this is what I was gonna say. Let me ask you a question. What do you think that this happened so fast? Like, what, what, why did this happen so fast? Three weeks ago, not maybe not three weeks ago now, probably about six weeks ago. Yeah, things were still ballistic. Like six, end of six, April, six, seven. end of April, shit was still popping. Mm-hmm. First week of May, shit was still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then last week of May, slowing down pretty hard. June, full breaks. Mm-hmm. Why is it, how's it turning so fast? Oh, I love this question. The first reason is it was going to happen anyway. It's not just the interest rate. We went on a two year run, mm-hmm. unprecedented run. Yep. And it was already starting to crescent. Yeah. Right. I remember talking about this early, early first quarter of this year. I even, you know, went around the office like, man, people need to chill a bit because the shoe is going to drop here, man. Like everyone's still spending left and right. Everyone's doing this. Volume is going to be down this year. And I was early on it, but it's come to fruition because we were crescenting. We were reaching the peak. Mm-hmm. So this was already going to happen. There was going to be a slowdown because we had two years of unprecedented run and it was going to stop. So that was happening of its own accord. Then you throw in the interest rate. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in the fact that people are most motivated by emotion. That's how they're most motivated. And once you tell someone, rightly or wrongly, that what they're doing is being viewed by their peers as foolish that will have a bigger impact than anything else you can do, right? We are social animals and we are more than ever influenced by social narratives and the narrative that if you buy now with these interest rates, you are somehow lesser than um, or, you know, get a worse deal or I hate to say it, oh my gosh, maybe dumb, Mm -hmm. right? That has been the biggest, biggest cause of this slowdown, 100%. Yeah, I to- I totally agree. But it can switch that quickly. It's great. My That's thing is, why is I my think thing is the speed now is what cra- is, is crazy to oh, me. Yeah, and I think it's because again, back in the day, it would it would change like way back. It would have been like newspaper articles would have slowly come out. But first, oh. it would have been it would have actually had to have happened for it to even make it to a newspaper article. So and it would have to be happening on mass. Yeah. So it would actually have to happen by response to the interest rates, which is going to be like six months from now. Yeah. Right. And then people are going to be selling because of that. People are going to start selling at a loss. Then the news is going to pick it up. Then it's going to go out. Then it's going to start happening more. 
now it's like the talk of it, like you're saying, mm-hmm. equals social media posts. Oh, it's instantaneous. And it's instantaneous. The next day, people are cutting their, yeah, cutting a pr- their ties. A, a price gets published that is hugely inflated, and within 24 hours, it's on social media. It's like, oh my gosh, can you believe someone paid for this for that? And then the news pops out, does a quick interview, boom, that's instantaneously and on the website. Instantly starts knocking yeah. it down. It's crazy how fast things change now. But on the flip side, that could be good because you know what? It can change we back might be that nip- quickly. Well, it can change back that quickly and we might be mm-hmm. nipping it in the butt. Like we might be catching it before it gets too bad because another six or eight months of this run and people signing in at these larger rates. It wasn't going to happen. We were already stopping. It was not going to happen. But I'm saying nowadays, but I'm just saying yeah. back in the day before they had the social media, before people were able to find stuff out so quickly, mm. like when there's a yeah. 25, like when there's a, a rate hike before, probably only 25% of the population found it or 10%. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't know the economy's You know uh, what I mean? Now everyone knows because you can't yeah. open your phone without finding out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a gift and a curse, but there's also, it's, the real estate market has, market has always been a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh my gosh, this market's exploding. Boom, Mon- money gets... Uh, ingested there, the market goes up. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh my gosh, the market's collapsing. Oh, well, now's not the time to buy then. Yeah, it's like it's all right. these, these big right. stock pumps that have happened as well. Yeah. The other thing I want to add in there that we didn't talk about or that you didn't mention was that like there's also a couple items that are just standard items that cause things to slow down, which is summer is starting. Yeah. It, it slows the market regardless. Like 100%. July every, is always a slow month. And what is it? It's July. A ton of people traveling. There's yeah. a ton of people just getting away there's some people just relaxing from work like even this week i find the traffic is way lower and it's grad week you know what everybody took this, this week off because their kids yeah. are graduating so like driving across the bridge this morning i'm like where is everybody i'm like oh it's the last day of school everyone took the day off because the last day of school so they're picking up their kids at noon or at fucking 10 jesus at 10 a.m and they're going to be hanging out with them and going to the park or they have a graduation and like on the flip side when you go downtown to halifax public gardens it is a gridlock yeah. And I'm like, so this, so that has an impact on the market. And so like there's other items that are also playing in. So it's like the perfect storm for timing. Well, the other perfect storm was they opened up travel, like really opened it up mm. right as the market was starting to slow down. Cause there was a period in February, mm, March where you couldn't reach anyone. You couldn't reach an agent. You couldn't reach a buyer. Yeah. They were all down South. Yeah. And so that was happening while the market was already Chandler hit included. Its crescent and pulled back myself included. Um, too actually (laughs) yeah (laughs) deals away every two weeks um all of these things and then the rate and it's like well oh this must be happening because look at the number of transactions being down last month you know a lot of people went on vacation because they hadn't gone on vacation two and a half years yeah so it was that perfect storm and then once it happens now the snowball is rolling so my my optimism is that we will get through this and then when things turn back It'll be quick, man. I, I really feel like the recovery will be quick now. You think it's gonna happen this fall? No, 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 no. That, but that's that's not quick by that, that that's that's you think next year, next fall. I mean a, a real recession is probably thirty six months. Okay. Like I, like a, a real recession. I'm just optimistic that it's not gonna be that long. Like I'm optimistic that we could have a pretty good spring next year, not not you know, twenty twenty one or twenty twenty levels, but I think we could have a pretty good spring if rates normalize and people adjust to it. Uh, sorry. What did you spy out there? You just got crazy looking out the window. Uh, the boat that I talked about on this podcast that I wanted to buy, same color, same Hopper? boat. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the sea kayak. Um, no, the, the, it's the Malibu Wakes that are in, it's in all black, and 
there's one rolling by right now and it's just making me cranky that I didn't buy one. That's like the douchiest digression ever. But yeah, exactly. It's a huge douche moment. But uh, when prices go down 50%, I'll feel better. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, like, I'm optimistic that we'll have a, a, a speedy recovery because information, is, to your point, moves very, very quickly. Um, we adapt very quickly. Sentiment changes really quickly. Like, man, this is the reason we're not talking about stuff for more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Whether it's Will Smith slapping Chris Rock whether like any anything that happened you just brought that back up like stuff happens i mean we're over i also happen to think that if people really cared about um macroeconomics and monetary policy they would actually be losing their mind a little bit more than they are we talk about it so we're in a vacuum and we think this is the only thing that matters a lot of people don't care about inflation and don't care about the bank rates and all this stuff you know so most people are unaffected by it and yeah. that's why they're still spending um, because they don't care. And that's a bad thing about our Should society. We care? don't care, but man, it's the same reason voter mm. apathy is down. Um, you know, and this is why the worrisome thing is, can you actually curb consumer spending where people are just used to having what they want? But I'm optimistic that um, when the recovery starts, it'll be pretty bullish because we still have all this immigration. Um, there Question. is a lot of money around. Should people care? Yes. On average? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you, so you're expecting that they ever, everyone should be have to get that level of education and spend the time and energy on learning the stuff? Yes. Isn't that the whole reason we do this podcast? <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think absolutely, man. You got to know. Like, I understand what you're saying is, oh, my gosh, if you're worried about everything terrible going on in the world, you know, life's not worth living and you should focus on things. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Stop. Smell the roses. But man, for the good of yourself, for the good of the people around you, for the good of us as a society. Yeah. Maybe you should care about our monetary policy and what's going on in our economy. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I guess more so my point of it was not that like, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's why we're doing the podcast to help get, get out the word from the little bit that we know, or at least our opinion about it. Um, but it's more just like, does everyone need to know that or can they, is there a way to offer, offer the information to people in a more consumable fashion so they don't have to That's spend a ton TikTok, of time? That's our TikTok videos. This is our TikTok videos, but. I like to think we're making a tiny friggin' difference out there. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So. I see what you're saying also. This is, I, it's just like it's tough because there's so many things people need to know and there's so many things that you need to, to take care of. And like, how can there be an expectation that everyone's going to understand all of these things and then be able to defer their own opinion? And I guess right mm. now everyone follows a certain set of news bases to make their decision and, and do the things that they need to do. I don't know. It's just like, and also I'll never fault someone for prioritizing what's in front of them right now. You know, the people who are just trying to get to their next meal or their next rent payment or whatever it is, I can understand if they're like, you know what? I don't care about monetary policy. I, I care about, you know, yeah, what can like, I get in this moment to get me through? I, I get that, man. I, that, I do. Like just enjoying the friggin' first world. Like it's, it's, does it, to be in the first world, does it have to be this intense all the time? Like you want to be able to just enjoy your, enjoy your stuff, you know? It's gotten really philosophical today. I have, I, don't know. I have, but I'm just, I would think about that too. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, it'll probably just all be fine. <laughs> <laughs> But it gives hey, it gives us a lot of really good things to talk about. Um, anything else on your list, or what did I have on the old list? Um, Patreon, we got some stuff coming there. We're doing a little collab with the Real Estate Investment Channel on YouTube, which will be very yeah. cool. You guys are gonna want to check that out. We're gonna do a little twenty minute short for them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what else do I have on here? Nothing really too crazy. I, oh, I was just talking about why this is a little different. So we talked about a real, the role of realtor in this situation, um, how a lot of its sentiment, how it can change so fast. Um, my thing I was going to say out of this is I don't know that prices are going to drop dramatically. Um, Agreed. Just like you said, simply for the reasons that we mentioned. And like the idea before was always like, you can't replace these homes. And that's what we, we're still in that situation. We can't replace these homes. And the stats that you mm-hmm. said, there will always be low inventory. And so it goes back to that very basic principle that we've talked about a hundred times with rental properties. That'll be the same thing with single families is supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And there are, are going so, up, so yeah. many people getting married this year. Like, so there's generational booms. Like you see them, right? So we had the boomers. Everyone talks about the boomers. Mm-hmm. Then they all had kids and we're now in that generational boom where they're having, they're getting married. They're starting to have kids, all those things. There's about to be another giant wave of families that get started in the next five years. Like it's, you it's think because of like the, all the marriages lined up with 2022? Uh, well, first of all, there's, there was a ton of engagements over COVID. Like that definitely pushed really? a lot of engagements. Yep. Way higher than normal. Interesting. That is kind of a cool Weddings start. are crazy. Like it's, it's booked out for years and years now. Hmm. Um, and it's just like, and you look at population pyramids, like there was the original boom and then they mm-hmm. had their kids and there's a 20 year delay and then they have theirs. And so now we're at that group. We're at that age group. So the, hmm. there's the, the 50 and 60 year olds, their kids now are between 20 and 35. And they're all getting married, having kids, getting well, it's dogs. More like boomers would be seventy. It, boomers would be into their seventies, so their kids, yeah, are, are, have kids who are teenagers, yeah, yeah. Or, or just or both have kids, yeah, yeah. So when you like, look at that, like we're going through that next thing, and then you can see the waves because there's trends with the with the age ranges, uh, and so that's we're gonna have that next mm-hmm. that next growth phase. Um, so it's again that like that's and that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So again, it's going to have another push on the housing market. And even though rates are up a little bit, people are still going to have to buy. They might not necessarily buy massive homes. So you'll see more, I think more new construction of smaller houses mm-hmm. um, and different options and alternative methods of construction that'll make it more viable, but it'll continue to push the prices up. And for the stuff that's constructed now and the bigger stuff, the bigger lots, bigger condos, they will continue to push their prices up as well. So yeah. this is a very temporary blip. And I say temporary, maybe 18 months or 24 months. But it's not like the market's yeah. just done forever now. No, gosh. Yeah. Grant's give me things a little it'll be short. So. Um all right. Uh listen, check out uh check us out online, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We promise we've got the Patreon stuff coming. If you've listened two to two weeks. Two weeks we're gonna have a Patreon. Weeks. We're also gonna have a website. We're yeah. gonna also have an MKR release. There's gonna be a lot of good things that are coming up. Yeah, two yeah weeks. we're trying to pin a date down. So if you actually feel like, man, it'd be kind of cool to just meet up sometime meet like-minded individuals we are going to have that party and chances are if you've listened to this point you're the kind of person who might actually show up so let's do this thing uh we're we're gonna we're gonna throw that party it's gonna be coming soon thank you so much for listening thanks a lot guys thank you for tuning in for this episode don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify give us a rating and send us some feedback we'd love to hear from you you can find us on social media at master keys podcast See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.